This is Mike Linstead, president and co-founder of the Nehemiah Project, and you are listening to the Nehemiah Project podcast, where we replace hopelessness with hope. Well, today we are on the final episode of our series called The Devastation of Pornography Addiction, and as usual, I'm here with my ministry partner, my friend, my pastor, Mr. Chad Wiles. Chad, how are you doing today? Doing well. I hope that this has been helpful and fruitful for those that struggle with lust of the flesh, especially pornography. Mm-hmm. I know it's not necessarily easy to think through and talk through everything that has to do with it, but it is so helpful and you have to exhaust it. You have to think about every angle of it. Mm-hmm. That's the way sin works. Sin sin will live if you don't kill it, right? We're going to talk mm-hmm. about that today. Mm-hmm. If you don't look at every aspect of it and deal with it rightly, if it lives just a little bit, it'll come back. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, sin is pervasive. Sin is a an opponent that we right. simply cannot defeat. Yeah. Um, that's why Jesus Christ came was to destroy the works of the devil, yeah. to defeat sin, to defeat death, mm-hmm. and uh, and he did all that through his death and resurrection. And um, I want to draw our attention to a portion of scripture that's in the very beginning of the Bible, in Genesis, the first book of the Bible. <laughs> Bless you, Chad. And we're in chapter four of Genesis, um, and we are going to look at the sixth verse specifically, but I think what we'll do is we'll just read a little bit of the preceding verses just to set the context. But um, I'm sorry, we're not going to look at the sixth verse. We're going to look at the seventh verse. So this is the introduction to two characters in the Bible known as Cain and Abel. Mm-hmm. Pretty much everyone has heard of these two characters because of Sunday school classes. But we see a really, really um, revealing truth about the nature of sin. Uh, in this small section of scripture. So mm-hmm. I'm going to read verses one through seven here for us, and then we'll discuss verse seven. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain, a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. So we learn a little bit of information here mm-hmm. about how sin operates. Now, without getting into why Cain's offering wasn't accepted and why right. Abel's was, it's kind of a, not the point of what we're looking at today. Mm-hmm. The point is, is that the Lord instructed Cain to do well, which would mean to f- obey the Lord. Right. Because if he does not, sin is... It's like a a vicious animal, right? It's yeah. right there. It's waiting to rule over you. It's waiting to destroy mm-hmm. you. Yeah, right? that, that idea of desire is for you is is to overtake. Yes, it's the same word that you see in Genesis three sixteen when God gives out the curses and says that 
her desire will be for you, speaking of the woman, and he will rule over you. It's the same. It's exactly the same word. Yes. So, you know, when you read that also, it doesn't mean that she's going to uh, want her husband, you know, in a sexual way or in some sort of desire like that. It means that she wants to take his spot, take his position. Sin wants yeah. to rule over Cain. It wants to rule over Cain. And if you guys know the story, it, it does, in fact, have its way since Cain goes on to murder mm-hmm. his brother out of anger and jealousy primarily. Right. Um, and so we learn a little bit of something about the nature of sin in that it will overpower everybody right. unless we obey the Lord. Yeah. Now, there's a problem, right? We have a sin nature mm-hmm. and we are not – we don't have free will. We have freedom to choose according to our nature. Yeah, We're not free in the sense that God is free. He has truly free will um, in that he doesn't answer to anyone and there's no authority higher than him. We don't have that freedom in our decision making. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bible says, as I read last episode, that we are slaves to whoever we obey, either to sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. I read directly from Romans chapter 6, verse 16 there. So we are slaves to the one whom we obey. And as Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10 discusses, that everyone is dead in their trespasses and sins. And so it uses that word dead for a reason, because what does a dead person do? Nothing. Like right. a dead person can do absolutely nothing, right? And so... These are all sort of illustrations, descriptions of the unsaved person's ability to choose when it comes to obeying God. Yeah. Can't do it. Right. <laughs> Cannot do it unless, of course, this individual prompted by God believes unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Now, this is actually what what our work is to do. Yeah. Like, that is how we begin this process of obedience, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. We must first obey the one whom God the Father sent, right? The gospel is not an option. It's actually a command, right? Therefore, if we don't believe in Jesus, we are being disobedient and sin will in fact overpower us. And so I wanted to lay that foundation yeah. before we jumped into the topic of mm-hmm. pornography addiction. Mm-hmm. Pornography addiction, as we've been saying, is just one of the many manifestations of sin in the lives of human beings. One of the many. And I wanted to make another point before we dive into um, our topic today. And I want to I draw the line in the sand here, Chad. Draw I was talking to an individual earlier on in my week, and this individual uh, – told me that they had struggled with suicidal thoughts and depression mm-hmm. in their life. And I asked them, well, since it was some time ago that they really struggle with it, you know, how did you overcome this, mm-hmm. this problem, right? Now, this individual is not a believer. Yeah. How did you overcome this? Like, what's your success story, right? Mm-hmm. And they told me, well, I haven't really overcome it. Yeah. Um, I'm, I just realized certain things. And this individual went on to de- describe to me that some of the lessons that they've learned, like, you know, I can't act like a, you know, like I can do it on my own. Right. I got to be humble. I got to, you know, go see my psychiatrist. I got to use medication, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And I thought, man, I'm glad this individual like no longer struggles as intensely as they once did. Yeah. But 
they're not free. No. They're not free from their sin. Mm -hmm. Whereas the Bible tells us, in fact, Jesus himself tells us in John chapter 8, he says this in John chapter 8, starting at verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Right. They answered him, we are the offspring of Abraham and never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say we will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Yeah. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. Mm-hmm. What hope, right? right? Now, we're not preaching sin management. No. We're preaching freedom. <clears throat> yeah, right. <laughs> and this is this is fundamentally important. Mm-hmm. You know, here's another example. In Alcoholics Anonymous, which I used to go to all the time, you have to identify yourself mm-hmm. in order to speak as an alcoholic. So I would go, hi, my name's Mike. I'm an alcoholic. That reveals something about my identity, how yeah. I see myself, right? right? Sin still rules you. It still rules me. Even if I may managing. transfer this manifestation to a different manifestation. I may no longer struggle with alcohol or struggle with suicide or depression. Mm. I may be able to manage some of those um, you know, issues. Yeah. But now I'm all about myself. I'm, all, right. I'm, about, I'm trying to self-actualize, as the world would put it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas Christianity... Is the exact opposite. Yeah. You, meaning my self will, yeah. that has to die. Right. You need a rebirth. You need a rebirth. You need Second Corinthians five seventeen. Anyone who anyone who is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, behold, the new has come. That's what Jesus says when he says, like, you know, I'll set you the sun will set you free. Yes. Well, how does the sun do that? Well, in Luke nine, twenty three to twenty five, he says and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For yes. whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and he forfeits his soul? Mm-hmm. And you think about that idea is, yeah, like this management idea. Okay, you can learn to behavior modify and have a better life in this life by managing and fighting back the consequences of the sin. Yeah. Right? Where you're you choose just I will abstain from alcohol and I'll have accountability and I'll learn to to be more responsible and I'll learn all these things and so my life gets a little better, but in the back of my mind I'm I'm fighting back the urges and, and I'm just learning to manage the yeah. sin. Right. And so let's say you have a better life now and you, you end up you know, starting a business and you're now you have riches and you have all these things and, and you've defeated your alcoholism and then you go to hell where that sin had already promised to destroy you. That's that was, that's the promise of Ephesians two, one, one through three is mm-hmm. we're children of wrath, like the rest of mankind that, yeah. that first Peter five, that Satan is prowling, looking to destroy you and he'll destroy you through distracting you and thinking that you have a successful life, mm-hmm. knowing that in the end, without a relationship with Christ, everyone perishes, everyone's children of wrath. But Jesus says, man, but anyone who takes up his cross, anyone who denies himself and follows me, makes me Lord, that's what the scripture says, Yeah, you get a, you, you will save your life. You get a new life. You get a new heart. You get a new yeah. everything. Yeah, You get freedom. Galatians 5.1, right? For yeah. freedom, Christ has set us free. 
Yeah, and, and just to finish off this conversation about, you know, your self-will has to die. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, going back to Romans chapter 6, Paul says, how can we who have died to sin still live in it, right? Do you not know that all of us who have been immersed into Christ mm-hmm. Jesus were immersed into his death? The, the, the reality is this, is that we cannot kill sin. We can't do it. Sin will yeah. rule us. Right. Jesus Christ is the only one who could destroy sin, right? right? And so how did he do that? Well, he died, right? right? He gave it what it wanted, right? but he overcame its power mm. by the power of the Holy Spirit of God that's right. and was raised from the grave. You see, that's this is what we, we have to understand is that until Jesus Christ comes back the second time and establishes the new heavens and the new mm-hmm. earth where everything we see now is imploded and gone and sin is finally done away with, right. sin will win. Every single time, unless right. we go to the only one who had the power to overcome it. Right. So we have to do that. And Jesus died on the cross. We have to be immersed in that death. Mm-hmm. We do that through faith. How, does that make any sense to a non-believer? Absolutely not. But that pleased God right. to reveal it that way. That's what the Bible says. Yeah. Right. And so we we believe in what Christ has done, the person and work mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ. And that, my friends, that is right. what ultimately gives us salvation. And so now... We understand a little bit about the mechanics of how salvation yeah. works. Well, I got one more thing to say to that because I think mm-hmm. this is a misnomer as well. There is no such thing as freedom in terms of full autonomy in and of yourself. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't exist. You may think that it does. Right. It does not. You're always worshiping someone or something. Yeah. We are created to worship. You're either going to worship self, pride, you know, be your own God. Or you're going to worship the God who created you for his glory, for the purposes. That's why freedom comes in Christ is because we are worshiping the correct God. Yes. That's where freedom comes from. Yes. And so you're a terrible God, by the way. Like if you worship yourself, and I've been there, done that, we are not worthy of worship. We are terrible gods. We will screw it up. <laughs> we will, we're not that impressive. We're not going to produce freedom. <laughs> we're not going to produce We're not hope. capable. Right. So... When you hear this idea of Christ set us free, he's not promising freedom in terms of you just get to do who whatever, whatever you want to be, want. whatever you want. That's not and that's not actual freedom. Mm-hmm. Freedom comes through worshiping him alone and rightly. Yes. And the Bible says we're slaves to Christ, but he is the only good king. Yeah, he's a good master. He's a good master. Yeah, like Romans six again <clears throat> ends off and it uses the word slave. He says Yeah. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time of the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's right. That's right. So let's move in to... Our discussion today on right. pornography. Let's gonna, finish this. We're gonna topic finish with up. a few more questions, and then we're gonna end today's podcast. I know you've probably been chomping at the bit with how do we begin to transform for those who are like, yes, I want God, I want Christ, I want to be free from this sin. We're gonna give you some very practical ways to begin walking out freedom. So, um, the questions that we're gonna say today i'll just bunch them up like we did last time yeah. but i'll i'll say them clearly and we'll we'll commentate on them just for a moment uh is there a pattern or a ritual to your sexual sin is there a pattern or a ritual to your sexual sin 
How often do you think about sexual things and or sexual satisfaction? How much is your life ordered around your sin? And then would you say that you are in bondage to your sexual sin? I coupled all these together because, or bunched them together, because they're all speaking towards one truth of that slavery of sin, that bondage that James 1 talks about, that as we as we give in to sin, it, it creates slavery and death, right? And so just that idea of, are there, are there things, first of all, do you have a ritual? Mm-hmm. Let's just kind of talk through these things. Yeah, This begins where you, you start to look forward to it. You know, every night, you know, when the family goes to bed, I get on my phone and look at Pornhub or every, mm-hmm. you know, Every day at work, I take a break, and I, you know people start to create these rituals. They look forward to these treats, if you will. Yeah, you know to indulge it. Yeah, these rewards for your hard work or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's crazy too. It's just thinking through this, like physiologically. Mm-hmm. You know, this obviously begins in the spiritual realm, like in yeah. our heart, right? We we like you said, mm-hmm. set up these retru- these rituals. We're not a victim of these rituals. You know? No. And then what slowly, this is how we get in bondage to these things. Yeah. What slowly begins to happen is now we're creating new neural pathways in, mm-hmm. our, in our brain and we're creating like different neurochemical responses. Right, these reward right? systems. These reward systems, right? So we get these, these dopamines and serotonins mm-hmm. pumping, right? And that we're starting to wire our brain to act in a particular way and to expect certain rewards. Yep. This is how we get in bondage. That's right. That's right. It's how it happens. And you see God's word playing out physically, mm-hmm. right? It's yeah. what he says. You will... Lead, it will lead to slavery, and Mike just explained physiologically that's how that that's happens. That's what happens. And so <clears throat> then you start to think about sexual things all the time. Life becomes about sex, mm-hmm. right, if if sex is a particular lust of the flesh. <clears throat> Once again, I keep saying this each time, but you could substitute this for food, indulging in food or anything. indulging in anything. drugs, anything. Yeah. So, Or worship machines, like you said. That's right. But like you said, you create these reward systems that we begin to look to, that we that they beca- they begin to become things we depend on for life. Yes, right, and we normalize them, and, and right, yeah, totally, right. Then it totally. just becomes like, oh, it's just a, I mean, it's a normal cravings. I just need to, I just can't help it. It doesn't go away until I satisfy the craving. Like, no, we do. We get. It's crazy. I can just share from my <laughs> yeah, alcoholism days, man. Like, I would I would do the same thing every mm. single night after work. You know, like. I would buy the same exact stuff. Oh, know? yeah. And I would drink out of the same exact yeah. cup. And I would put the same exact TV yeah. show. It's just like, it's so, it, we were not meant to do those sorts of things. No, you no, know? no. It's no. just sad, you know? Right. Uh, but that's bondage. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not, um, it's not pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then how much is your life ordered around it? Like Mike just talked mm-hmm. about, as you create these habits, it becomes like, I need to do this mm-hmm. and I need, and you become secretive. You're, you're running around doing things behind closed doors or behind people's backs. And we're or, stacking sin now. Right. We're lying. We're, you know. Yeah, manipulating, deceiving. All that stuff. And, right. it, and really at no hold bar, like we would, we could deceive our the people closest to us. Right. Like it doesn't matter who it is, like, because we're the only thing that doesn't yeah. matter. And then it creates bondage. Totally. As we talked about. Another question. Do you view sex as self-satisfaction? It's an important question because do you begin to couple it with being happy? Mm-hmm. Do you begin begin to couple it with being uh, successful in life, mm-hmm. right, or your identity, mm-hmm. right? Totally, we see that a lot. Totally. And then another good question for you then is: Is it a secret? Is your sin a secret? Meaning, people don't know this about you. Mm-hmm. You're you're able to keep it under wraps. 
yeah. if you will. I think that's honestly one of the most destructive components of this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because there's some, there's a deceptive, there's a self-deceiving quality there. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, no one, you know, you don't have to, you don't, here it is. I was just trying to think through this. You don't have to, you're not confronted yeah. by the reality of just how wretched that sin is. Yeah. You're not confronted by it because it's in the secret, right? Yeah. It's in the dark, the darkness, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And, and then the light pops up on it. And now you have to deal with it, right? right. It's uh it, it is a it is a very destructive and self-deceiving sort of right. component. And here's of this. the way the sin always starts. <clears throat> it starts as successful, meaning at first, as you're hiding it and you're around it and maybe pornography is your thing and masturbation and all these things and no one really knows, but you're happier and, mm-hmm. all, you know, it's like, oh, it's working, you know, it's good. Right. It's, I'm, at least I'm not like this, at least I'm not like that. And that's what gets you deeper and deeper into it until it becomes something that's life dominating. Right. And yeah. people are starting to notice something is up. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it gets more and more difficult to stop it. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. That's where that bondage element comes in. You right. know, when I started drinking again, right. I didn't have the shakes. I didn't have seizures when I didn't drink. Mm-hmm. That took a couple of years to build up to that point. Mm-hmm. You know? So it, this happens slow. It's right. a slow death yeah. in some cases. Some oh, yeah. cases can happen right away. But And then by the time that you want help, you're too embarrassed to talk about it because mm-hmm. of how bad it is. Or your physical, you know, you have physical issues with it. You know, <laughs> right, all kinds of stuff. Right. It's really disruptive. Uh, last couple of questions here, just for you to think about. What are the effects of your sin? So start to think about what. How's it affecting your life? Mm-hmm. How's it affecting others? Another question is, in what other ways are you following the flesh? As we talked about, it starts to compound the sin. Stacking sin. Right. Yeah, the flesh, remember, is a, is a biblical term that refused to the fallen human nature, the, the humanness, mm-hmm. if you just want to think of it that way. Right. You know, you're stacking sin. And at the end of, sort of sort of the end of this or the foundation of, of the flesh, you know, is you. Like, yeah. it's all about you. Everything's yeah. circula- circulating around you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you're using other people. Mm-hmm. You, you know, for the, for pornography, you necessarily have to dehumanize the object, yeah. you know, because yeah. it's a human being created in the image of God. Absolutely. And I'm now using that human created in the image of God mm-hmm. to, to, to pleasure myself. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so, um, it affects, every, it affects the way you speak to people, how you think about people, how you think about yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's pervasive. Yeah. A little leaven. That's that right. Leavens the whole lump. That's right. It gets in everywhere. And then that's the last question is what other interests do you have? Cause like Mike's saying is, the chances of you having other lusts of the flesh are very high. Mm-hmm. If you have one, there's probably many others around mm-hmm. it, you know. So begin to take assessment of your heart and mm-hmm. what else is going on. Yeah, know? I mean, I just want to speak one more to that, to that you know, compounding and stacking yeah. of sin is, is in addiction, it's very common for people who struggle with addiction to steal money, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so they'll steal money from, from wherever it can be stolen from, yeah. you know, and they don't, it doesn't start out that way, you know, but as the habit grows in its needs, you know, the resources necessary to feed that, that habit yeah. grow as well. That's and so right. we start to stack sin and it's just a whole plethora of issues. Mm-hmm. That's you know? right. Well, we finally have made it to transformation. The good news. Yeah. Here's how we're, here's biblically how you can begin to repent of and become free of the slavery of sin of the flesh, particularly porno- pornography. And one thing that we want to talk about 
in this is this has to happen before temptation hits again. You're not going to do these things in the midst of it. You have to do it before you go down the road, right? And so we'll talk about those in just a second. But, uh, Michael, you go to Romans uh, 6 mm-hmm. and hit verses 2, 12 yeah. through 13, and 16. And some of these we've already read. Yeah. But it's a very good chapter to understand how to mm-hmm. transform. Yeah. Uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Remember, in chapter 5, Paul says this, Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So then he asks the obvious question there, so should we continue in sin so that more (laughs) grace can abound? Here's his answer. No way, (laughs) by no means. It's uh, the strongest negative in the Greek language, meganitas, by no means. How can we who have died to sin still live in it, Mm. right? Again, if you have died to sin, it doesn't make any sense for you to continue living in it, right? Right. Um, This is where the the antinomianists or the people who Mm -hmm. are all about, you know, freedom in Christ, I can do whatever I want, just aren't biblical. It doesn't work, right? And for that very straightforward reason, verses 12 to 13 then say, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members, that means your arms, your legs, your physical body, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Good. Verse 16, I said at the beginning of this podcast, but it basically, I'll, I'll say it again. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. That's right. So we need to figure out how do we begin to practically repent and change and get this habit of sin out of our lives. So number one, and I suggest grabbing you a notepad and writing this these things down. Number one, confess your sins of lust to God and to any others you have sinned against in the process who are aware of your sin. Explain your willingness to give yourself fully to repentance, putting off your sin and putting on what is right. Then ask for forgiveness. We see this played out in Psalm 51, 1 through 4, and Matthew uh, 23 through 24. Psalm 51 says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in in your words and blameless in your judgment. This is a psalm that David's writing when Nathan the prophet went to him and and confronted him about his sin with Bathsheba, where he committed adultery and murder against his murders his best friend and take you know because he had committed adultery with his wife. Yeah, so. This is a good example of that confession of the heart, yeah. right? Where he goes to God, he's aware that he's sinned against other people, but he also understands rightly, theologically, that when we sin, first and primarily, we've sinned against God, Yeah, right? Yep. And that should break our hearts first. That should create godly sorrow within us. Absolutely. And then we see in Matthew 5, 23 to 24, you got that one, Mike? Yeah, it says this. 
These are Jesus's words. He says, so if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. Mm -hmm. First be reconciled to your brother and then come with your gift. Right. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and the guard puts you in prison. Right. So this idea of confessing to the Lord and then going to the people you've hurt. You know, if you're married, confessing to your spouse. Um, Now, this isn't, let me just be clear to help with extreme examples. You don't need to run around telling every female that you thought about in your mind that you've masturbated to them that would right. that would not be helpful and uh wouldn't help. Yeah. But you know, if you've sinned against your spouse or, you know, lied to someone, you need to go and confess it and ask for forgiveness. Yeah. Number 2. So there's the confession part. You're and you're bringing the sin into the light, which is super important. Absolutely. Number 2. Daily, even several times a day, ask God to work in this area of your life and help you to put forth full effort toward change, mm. right? You're, you're not going to change on your own. You're going to need the help of the Lord. Yeah, I want to speak to that for a second because daily, I mean, it might be minute by minute. And this is where mm-hmm. in, you know, in Second Thessalonians or First Thessalonians, I can't remember where it says this, but it says pray without ceasing, right? right. This is what it means to cling to the Lord, like right. in your mind, right. just memorize scripture, have scripture permeating right. your mind. Praying is is that dependence upon God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and just realize I've had people say this to me before when I've helped them. It's like I just feel like I gotta I gotta like constantly pray to God. Like yeah, that's good, and that's okay. That's wonderful. <laughs> that's okay. It's normative. When you have a stronghold of sin, yeah, you're going to have to go to the Lord a lot. People look for this miraculous change. Well, if I go to God and confess, then He's going to heal me miraculously. That's no. not normative. No, no, no. Does no, He do no. that sometimes? Yeah, it's possible that you you confess one time to the Lord and he just takes away the desire for it. Is that possible? That's one of many sins that you have, however. Exactly. See what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, look, the, we do this in our weekly snippets of encouragement. We talk, yeah. we go through the Proverbs. The Proverbs have a picture of sanctification like this. Mm-hmm. They put gold into the fire. Yeah. It takes a while for those impurities to come out. Right. Okay? The dross does not drop out the silver right away. Right. It's got to be in the fire for a long time. That's right. That's why James 1 says, Consider it joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, and don't wish it away. Let it have its full effect, right? Yeah. Like, like be patient. It creates steadfastness in your faith. Like, right. You, you don't wish it away. Ask God what he's trying to teach you in it. I mean, this is the will of God, mm-hmm. your sanctification. Mm-hmm. This is what the Word says. Mm-hmm. Your, this is God's will. Right. Holiness is... I know it's crazy in our in our even in our American church world that we think that God's number one goal for us is our joy and our happiness. No, it's not. Biblically speaking, if you look at it, holiness is number one. Mm-hmm. It, to sanctify you, what is everyone what loves Romans eight twenty eight? Right? Yeah. For God works all things to the good of those. For good. Who, right. But that doesn't for, mean you get everything you want. But they forget <laughs> verse twenty nine. Read the context. Right. For what purpose? Right. To sanctify you into the right. image of the Son. <laughs> Jesus said that um, in, in in John chapter 4, when his disciples came back from getting food while he was uh, speaking to the woman at the well. Mm-hmm. They said, Rabbi, eat something, right? Because yeah. Jesus wasn't eating anything. He says, I have food that you have no idea about. My food is to do the will of God, right? right? So this idea that God's primary end in us mm-hmm. is our joy right. and our happiness is completely misguided. 
Mm-hmm. Our joy should be like our Lord's, which was to do the will of God. Yeah. So it, it's like it doesn't make any sense to the carnal mind Mm-mm. because the carnal mind wants things. It doesn't yeah. want God. Right. When when holiness mm-hmm. wants God, right? That's That should be our desire. And, exactly. and that's what God is doing in us through exactly. sanctification. He is exactly. peeling our hands off of the world, mm-hmm. right? That's why Christ says in, in, in Luke 14 that if you want to be my disciple, you've got to renounce all your possessions. Mm-hmm. You've got to have a loose grip on those things, man. That's right. Don't, don't love anything in this world. That's right, yeah. That's, God's, that's what God's doing in sanctification with us. Right. And you're going to be in the fire for some time. Yeah. We all are. That's right. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Meaning... He he is going to give you and supply you with the strength that you need to fight and battle sin. It is not true that you can't fight your sin. It is true that you may need to cling to him with all your might in order to fight that sin. Yeah, absolutely. Um, number three, begin to cultivate a passion for God and regular daily worship and Bible meditation slash study. Study God's attributes and what Christ has done for you. Learn to walk through your day your day being mindful of God and his word. This is just the greatest commandment. Have no other gods before me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. Right. We are so, um, uh, how do I want to say this, anemic when it comes to our understanding of God's word and our consumption of it. Mm-hmm. When you worship, Worship defined is what you put your whole self into, mm. right? So just because you go to church or just because you know some Bible verses does not mean you worship God, right? Right? You should walk around meditating on his word day and night, Psalm mm. 1. Like the Bible continually tells us what this yeah. looks like. The Pharisees knew God's word. They yeah. didn't understand it. They knew it. They could recite Bible verse after Bible right. verse. After, it hadn't impacted could, their heart. Right. No, it hadn't. Um, that, that's so true. That is so true. It, there is a mystery surrounding, mm. you know, this in a sense, because yeah. it's like, well, wait, like, okay, okay. If it's not all faith, mm. right. Then I'm going to work really hard. No, it's not works. No, 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 no. Your faith should mm. lead to good work. Right. So it's like, yeah. it's, it seems like it's hard to understand, but I love how the Lord used really basic yeah. things to describe this. Yeah. And Psalm one says it, it's like a tree yeah. planted by streams of water. Or you right? see it. Right. A tree that loves God. Right. Right or or a soul, I should say. But a tree doesn't go make me a tree. Right. The tr- <laughs> the, the tree that's an apple tree produces apples. Right? That's right. Uh, Jesus used that example too. Mm-hmm. It, the person that loves God with all their mind, soul, right. and strength, they're going to produce God fruit. Mm-hmm. Right. They're going to produce love, joy, yeah. peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, yeah. gentleness, self control. They're going to be holy. Mm-hmm. Right. Which means to be set apart. It doesn't mean that you are on your knees 15 hours a day in prayer and you fast every single day of your life and you never cuss once and you never have (laughs) this. I mean, those things are part of what it is to be a Christian, right? But like there's this misunderstanding of what holiness Mm. really is in the world today. And it's, 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 it's being set apart from the world. That's right. That's what it is. I think I have a helpful analogy uh, modern day analogy maybe that would help think this idea through from things going from knowledge to faith right because mm-hmm. that's that that big confusing part yeah. right where it's well we we know all the same stuff like we're saying all the same things but there's something different yeah. right there's some who have true faith and some who don't but 
but they can kind of talk the same. Yeah. Well, I use the analogy sometimes in counseling of the idea of skydiving. Now, I've never went skydiving, so, but I, I, I want to go skydiving. But I know the process of it because I know many people who have. Put a parachute on <laughs> right? and jump out of a plane. Well, that's not it. That's not it. <laughs> so, if you were to go skydiving uh-huh. recreationally, right, you would have to first go to like this two hour long class before you ever go up in an airplane. And they're going to teach you all the safety, all of the stuff, mm. how to how to come out of the plane, how to how you're supposed to lift your feet before you land. You're going to go through all the the things. You're going to look at the parachute, they pack the parachute with you. They teach you what why it works, all this stuff, right? Yeah. And then you get in a plane, and you go up. And when you get up to the right height, they open the door, right? Because now it's time to jump. Now let's imagine there's two people. They went through all the same things, know all the same stuff, have the same parachute, everything's exactly the same, but only one jumps. Faith happens at the jump, mm. right? Knowing everything and then trusting it. That's what faith is, believing and trusting in That's good. What, what you know. Now, here's the other side of that same analogy. The other person doesn't jump. They've just taken a plane ride at this point. They have all the same knowledge still. Now, if you were to go talk to those same two people and the one is saying, yeah, you know, I can tell you all about skydiving. The one who went skydiving would be different, right? Totally. Their experience is different. The way they talk about it is different Mm -hmm. because they have a connection with it. They actually did it. Yeah. And the other one can just talk about it intellectually. And that's a wonderful example there. Thanks for sharing that. And that's why it's important to study the word of God Mm because faith knows god's character through its experience of yeah. seeing him yeah. be faithful right of experience him being who he is right versus oh yeah i know about god right but i never walked with god mm-hmm. that's wonderful yeah and without the action you're never going to experience god yeah you have to know what he says and do it and then he produces the faith and the feelings with it man okay quick tangent because <laughs> you just said it and it needs to be said all right go ahead without the knowledge and you walking that knowledge out, you'll never experience Mm -hmm. God. The number one word that I see all over the place, we're looking at things like Bethel, Hillsong, big mainline evangelical Mm -hmm. churches, they always try to boil it down to an experience with God. Mm -hmm. I will tell you that's patently false. Mm -hmm. Just because you got loud music and a smoke right. machine, right. and you're doing all of the experience they're, there. They're redefining. It's the not God. No. God is not something you can control. They use the same tactics that concerts, and many people who've thought through mm-hmm. big events, concerts, create an experience, make people feel something. You can do that through the types of music, types of yeah. the environment, all that kind of stuff. None of that means... You could you could go to an ACDC concert or to a, or to Bethel and have the same feelings, right? <laughs> you know, I had the craziest experience when I repented one time. I was on my hands and knees. Uh, this was back when I was living in South Central LA. When I got out the Dream Center, I started drinking again, mm. and the pastors I was with encouraged me to repent, and they had me read a book. Um, I think it was uh, it was by Jerry Bridges, um, "The Way to Holiness" or something mm-hmm. like that. I read that book, wrecked me. I was on my hands and knees in my living room mm. at like eight in the morning, mm. repenting before God. Yeah. And I was terrified. 
Yeah. I had an experience with God, his <laughs> yeah. holiness. Right. I was terrified. And every time you see biblical characters have experiences with God, what's, they're terrified. They're terrified. <laughs> I was terrified. <laughs> yeah. And that's one of the few experiences I've ever had with God. Yeah. They're not all terrifying. I mean, no. I, I'll just say this before Christ, quite terrifying. Mm-hmm. After Christ, not always terrifying. Right. <laughs> there, but there is a healthy fear, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. You know? Let's move on. All right. Number four. Tell your wife if you're married and or someone who can help, can be a help to you in your struggle so that you will have accountability. No more secrets. Mm-hmm. Bring everything into the light. Um, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Do you have that one, Mike? It says, let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That's right. So no more secrets. Get accountability, right? right? We we always say that you know, like recovery happens within community. You know, that's we, right. We have to be around other people, right? We have to have a fellowship of like-minded believers. The God has given us. us the body of Christ for that very reason. That's that's it. Right? It's not rocket science. Yeah, it's hard to do though. Yeah, it's definitely hard to do. Because you, you got to be honest. Got to put yourself out there. You got to confront what you haven't had to confront so far. You got to let go of control. Man. There's a lot of things that happen, right? Number five, make a list of helpful verses and truths from this from this study to meditate on regularly and use when you are tempted. Romans twelve two, one of my favorite verses. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by how the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So renew the mind. Yeah, it's a very simple principle. You can't think about more than one thing at one time usually, right? So if your mind is set upon the Lord, as we've been talking about, you're meditating on his word day and night, you're seeking how to serve him and love him, you're wanting him, guess what you're not wanting? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the sin that you're you're wanting, right? right? And like we said earlier, there's physiological processes happening mm-hmm. in the brain. When we are meditating on the word of God and doing the things that Chad just described, we're creating new neural pathways, mm-hmm. new reward systems that's right right we 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 value yeah the word of god more than we value mm-hmm. the drug or the porn right. or you know, whatever it is that we're fighting against right. right and our brain isn't rewarded now when we go back mm-hmm. to that sinful habit it's just not the same like right. i just used the example when i had repented when i was living in south central when i drank again after that mm-hmm. i tell you it was not enjoyable right right it was not so we're 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 literally transforming our physical brain Mm -hmm. and we're nourishing our spirit that's right number six make a list of righteous and loving thoughts to put on when lustful thoughts come into your mind especially prepare loving thoughts and prayers to apply to those you are tempted to lust after this is ephesians 4 23 talking about to put on renew your mind and put on the righteousness holiness of god Mm -hmm. so thoughts like lord i pray that this person will come to know you Lord, bless this person today. Help them in whatever way is needed. They are God's creation. I will not use them to serve, but I want to serve them, not use them. Right. Right? Just thoughts like that that are godly thoughts to renew your mind and take away and repent of the selfish, self-satisfying thoughts. Yeah, godly thoughts are always Mm others-focused. They're not centered on self. Right. Uh, number seven, make a list of ways to show love to your wife if you're married or to show love to others. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that's number eight, make a list of ways to show love to others. So if you're not married, 
that first one wouldn't apply to you. So right. make a list of ways to show love to others. But if you're not married, you can start studying on it now because <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not easy. Yeah. You know, let's just read that section real quick. Ephesians 5, mm-hmm. 25 says, Husband, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And how did he love the church, right? Sacrificially. He gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, right? Set her apart. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the giving up of oneself, right? right? There's always that common thread yeah. there. Yeah, Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Humility is the key. We've said it over and over again, but we can't stop saying it because it's true. <laughs> Humility. Right. Absolutely. Number nine, make a covenant with God about your eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, we, see, we see Job do this in Job 31.1. Yep. You want to hit that up? He literally says, I have made a covenant with my eyes. <laughs> right. <laughs> How then could I gaze at a virgin? Yeah. Right. So what, what that means, a covenant, a promise, a resolve that no matter how tempted that I get, I am not going to do it. I want to trust the Lord with it. Yeah. Right? Psalm 101 verse 3 says, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. Mm-hmm. It shall not cling to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and just this idea, you're not going to fight sin unless you truly want it gone and you hate it. You have to hate your sin. You have to love God and hate your sin. Um, that's a byproduct of the life of the son of God within you because right. we can't hate our sin. Again, going back to the unsaved individual, mm. we, our nature is sin. We literally cannot hate it. Right. We cannot hate it like God hates it. We might want to do some behavior modification because we hate the effects of our sin. Right. Again, yeah. that's all focused on self. Mm-hmm. When we're transformed by the gospel, yeah. and we're, we're beginning our Christian life. We our self-will dies and the will of God within us, the, the life of the Son of God within us lives, right? right. Paul said it in uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. He said, the life that I live in the in the flesh, mm-hmm. meaning like in time and space, I live by faith in the Son of God because he said, I've died. Mm-hmm. I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Yeah. So, so like just in case you're hearing this and you think, okay, I got to like work super hard at this, right? Mm-hmm. You do, but... It's not because of your strength and your ability to hate your sin. Yeah. It's literally the life of God within you that hates sin. Yeah, that's right. Uh, number 10, take whatever radical steps are needed to make no provision for your flesh. So once again, we keep saying these words like radical or resolve, but that's what it means is what it takes. If you yeah. love someone, you you fight hard, right? Right. So if you love God, you'll make no provision for the flesh. Romans thirteen fourteen tells us that. Mm-hmm. Um, it says... But put on the put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Make no provision for the flesh. So take whatever radical steps you need to take. You know, Jesus said, yeah. Hey, if your eye caused you to sin, pluck it out. <laughs> you know? Well yeah, a practical example of that for someone mm-hmm. struggling with pornography is probably just get off of Instagram. All right. <laughs> like Instagram, you will yeah. it will pop up on your Instagram. Yeah, you may have to decide for a season, I'm not watching T V, I'm not I'm yeah. not using a computer, I'm not doing anything media wise so that i don't have access to it for a little while whatever it takes and you could even like delete all the things you used to look at it doesn't matter it still will pop up targeted market marketers Mm -hmm. who have the information of what you look at will pop up things that entice you so it's like you have no control over it you just got to get rid of it just make no provision that's right number 11 
Think through the times and situations in which you are normally tempted. Avoid them if at all possible. Prepare for them and get accountability for them if you cannot avoid them. Mm -hmm. Psalm 119 verses 59 and 60 say, When I think on my ways, I turn my feet Mm -hmm. to your testimonies. I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. There may need to be a season, you know, if you're somebody that's really tempted every time you go to the gym because of what girls wear or whatever, you know what? Get you an at-home program and some weights and... And uh, you're going to work out at home for the next six months, you know, whatever you got to do. That's okay. Hey, that's worth it if that's what it takes. Absolutely. Number 12, think through your schedule and your normal routine of sin and think of ways to reorder your life. Different places, different activities, a different schedule as much as possible, right? Mm -hmm. So you just got to think through your schedule and be intentional with it. You know, don't. If you are tempted every time, you know, if your routine is, like I said, going to the gym or going to the pool or and you know these are things you do hoping to kind of fulfill that little bit of temptation you need to change your schedule do things that you know are safe in that way all right set yourself up for for success right number 13 write out a prayer that you can pray when the battle is raging you know novel Mm -hmm. concept but ephesians 6 you know 10 through 20 talks about putting on the full armor of god you know Mm -hmm. think through the armor think through and even visualize putting that armor on (laughs) when you're waging war because the christian life is one of war Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. um write out a prayer that you can pray before times of intimacy with your wife assuming that you're married right Mm -hmm. because a lot of times this will ruin the intimacy you won't even look to your wife or want her in that Mm -hmm. kind of way you need to start renewing your mind and thinking of intimacy biblically in the right ways Mm -hmm. and we already discussed how you can be married and totally be in sin mm-hmm. with the lust of the flesh because you can just use your wife to pleasure yourself. Right. And that's not the way God right. set it up. You know? That's right. So we talked about that, I think, in the second podcast. Right. Last two, number 15, find a way to serve in your church. Yeah. 1 Corinthians twelve four through 7. It says this, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all mm-hmm. and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Right. And last but not least, develop other interests and activities that have an element of giving or serving to, to, to them. Don't be idle. Mm-hmm. When you sit thinking about yourself, your flesh will reign and rule. Yeah. Think of ways to be others-focused in the way that God calls us to be. Yeah. Right. Because I'll just tell you, you know, as a guy who I fought through this, like I said, when I was younger, you know, years ago now. But when I was focused on Christ, focused on growing in my relationship with God through discipleship and doing stuff like doing Bible studies, trying to lead a Bible study for the first time in my fraternity. And just I just thinking through all the things that I began to do when I first got saved through campus outreach. A big part of me not really thinking about you know, calling up girls and sleeping around or looking at pornography is because of how much I was focused on. I've never led a Bible study before. I need to learn how to do this. Like all right. the things I was focused on, all these other things that you you don't think about it, right? Right. And then you have that extra accountability of like, how can I how can I lead others in Christ if I'm not being honest about myself? You know, like that that just natural yeah. conviction comes in. That's a part that. of rewiring your brain as yeah. well. You know what I mean? The less time you spend 
focused on yourself, yeah, right, um, the better, honestly. I mean, not <laughs> yeah. only is it what the Lord has, you know, modeled for us. Mm-hmm. I mean, he literally was selfless. Yeah. I mean, he did, did nothing for his own, you know, pleasure. ambition, yeah. You know, um, and he was filled with joy because of that. Because again, like mm-hmm. I said earlier, that his food was to do the will of the Father. That's right. But we have to understand, like, we've, we're fighting against our spirit and our physiology, right? We've got those reward centers wired in the brain to, you mm-hmm. know, pump us full of serotonin, dopamine, et cetera. Right. When we do the things we used to do. So yeah. we have to, like... There's going to be a very difficult transformational season. Yeah. But be encouraged. It's like anything. The more you do it, the easier it gets. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and then right. it becomes, you have new habits and you have yeah. new ways of thinking and new things that that reward you. Yeah. And so um, it is a battle, you know? Absolutely. Like you said, John MacArthur in, in one of his books said that the, the one word that best describes a Christian life is warfare. Yeah. We're fighting a spiritual realm and a physical realm. Yeah, I mean the weapons or the the people that we that we fight against, so to speak. They're not. We don't actually fight against human beings. Mm-hmm. But what I mean by the physiological aspects is what I've described in the brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good. Well, we hope that this has been helpful, a helpful resource. Yeah, to be able to put all these episodes together and really think through. I mean, this is a lot of material that I use in counseling. So, yeah. um, and. By the way, if you want some help with this material, come see us and we yes. will counsel you. But this is this is the information you need to know in order to begin to get free. Yeah. In depth, uh exhaustive. We've <laughs> we've we've gone over it. Yeah. Um but again, even if you're listening to this and you, you know you're like, "Well, pornography is not really my thing." Um what yeah. we've laid down is is repentance. Yeah. You <laughs> literally laid yeah. down. Just replace pornography with whatever the life dominating issue is like mm-hmm. the lust of your flesh that you have the mm-hmm. thing that dominates your life and it's exactly the same principles right same principles there mm-hmm. i love i love the simplicity of the gospel yeah it's uh it's wonderful yeah well we thank you all for listening to another episode of the nehemiah project podcast we will talk to you soon bye thanks for listening to the nehemiah project podcast For more resources about addiction recovery, suicide prevention, and overcoming other life-controlling issues, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and visit our website, tnproject.org. If you or someone you love is struggling, don't hesitate to reach out to us by calling 985-205-3022.